All right, everybody, welcome back here. First step, I'm going to tell you how to pronounce this guy's name because I just figured it out. People call him Dr. Casper because that's where they kind of stop in understanding what to say next. It's Schultz, just so you know, Dr. Casper Schultz. Now, a lot of you have met and heard of him before from various podcasts, etc., but needed to poke a little fun at the, the Polish heritage there. So welcome uh, for being with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Cash. Great great to speak to you again. And just to, to clarify, and I, I actually want to write a book on yeah. this. The doctor is my father. I'm not the doctor. Ah, yeah, yeah. I am just Casper. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the healer. Uh, you're the guy that's out there fixing everything. I'm, I'm the entrepreneur behind it all that's just traveled the world thinking he was a doctor when it was really my father <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Amazing. It's part of your legacy. And that's where you know the work you've been doing in integrative medicine people some people don't even know what that is so we can start there but you've been really innovating i love watching what you're doing online i i get excited when i'm scrolling through instagram and i see one of your posts because i always learn something you know and then the world is learning from you so for, break that down first maybe for people that don't know what is integrative medicine yeah, it's a good question because I, I feel like it's one of those things like alternative medicine, integrative. These are just words to people. We yeah. don't really define them and we just allow perception to go about it. Like a lot of people, alternative has, I think, almost a negative connotation. Yeah. It's sort of like, oh, they're like erectile dysfunction <laughs> pills, but natural. It's like, no, no, no. Has nothing to do with it, but uh, you know, I, I think when you talk about what integrative medicine is, I always like to look at it as all right. What is out there in the spectrum of therapeutic options? We know very well we have conventional medicine, which is pharmaceuticals, it is surgery. It is more of a physical approach that you find in most hospitals and most places you go to. When you look beyond that, you could look at things like psychology, a whole different branch of looking at the mind, looking at the psycho-emotional portions. You could find things like European biological medicine, which came out of Europe. That's a little bit more herbal. You find homeopathics there and everything else. You have this push uh, even for, let's say, um, uh, Eastern medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, yeah. all sorts of, of you know great things that came out of there from ancient times till now. And then you have this other side of more functional medicine that is the IV drips looking at nutrition, functional lab analysis. Uh, utilizing all sorts of compounds and, and, and things. And what integrative medicine should be, and I'm saying should because it also gets into the kind of specialization that medicine loves to do. Integrative medicine should be the comprehensive approach of utilizing all of mm. that to help the patient then recover their health by addressing all root causes. So in all reality, I always looked at it. I was, I don't know about you. I'm a fan of MMA. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when UFC was kind of different fight styles, you had the, the Gracie's with right. the jujitsu, you had some of the, the kind of brawlers, you had the wrestlers and they all, and over time it became this like specialty versus specialty to, you had to be truly mixed. Yeah. You had to know it all, you know, the GSPs of the world, all the top guys, had to know everything. They are world-class wrestlers, grapplers, Muay Thai, all of it. And that's what I see medicine needs to become. And integrative medicine, as I see it, is that combination of all therapeutic options put on the table, basically, or around the table, put the patient in the middle and say, all right, out of everything we have in our toolkit, ranging from surgery to spiritual practices, to shamanic stuff, meaning that's the spectrum there. What can we utilize in a very personalized way 
to help this patient recover their health, not just manage their disease, which conventional medicine has done a very good job at managing with the, you know, symptom suppression, but really I think in integrative medicine, it's uncovering what are the tools and, and the solutions to then completely regain your health, even in the face of things that are so-called incurable. You know, to me, listening to that, it sounds like you should be nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because that's like, this is, <laughs> you know, this is what medicine is supposed to be. I, I don't know about that, but, right? But, but in all honesty, Cash, it's just taking what's already out yeah. there and just basically saying, all right, how do we utilize kind of all of it instead of just looking at little slivers at a time? Because we know the human body is is incredibly complex. It, there's so many different facets and what leads to a disease is incredibly unique to that person. So you can't just show up and have a great toolkit to fix a home basically where you don't know what's going on and only bring a hammer. Mm. You got to bring all the things and you got to start to utilize, all right, what is it going on in this house that needs to be fixed and what tool is best tools really are best to do that. So I think it's, it's kind of the logical way of where things are going to go and in, in the beautiful thing of it is like you're not trying to create anything brand new. The tools are out there in a sense, and they're always dynamic, and things like DNA testing are part of that toolkit. Right. But it's just trying to combine them together in this logical way. And when I, I've heard you talk about this before, and what, what you talked about right now was sort of the solution side. It's from pills to meditation to whatever it could be, right? But you're also integrating how you're approaching the problem. It's, it's not just the body. It's also the mind it's a spirit like you need to heal all of it in order for things to actually get you over the finish line. Yeah. I mean, we are not just mechanical beings with just bodies, right? We have emotions that must be ad addressed, traumas, all these other things that can cascade into the biochemical side mm -hmm. of things. We know this through PNEI, HPA access, all these things that, you know, now now we study in science and are able to connect the dots. But beyond that as well, I, I do think a large portion of that is the spiritual side, which has nothing to do with religion, has more about mm. purpose, has more about that connection with things, more of that higher feeling and a consciousness level to things. So if you don't address all three, body, mind, and spirit, you're missing out on what healing actually requires. It requires because we are all three of those things. So yeah, it's it's... It's going beyond what a lot of doctors are trained to look at only the biochemical and being able to address those at the same time, right? We're not like, go see your psychologist. Yeah. My mother is a psychologist. She works with my father, who's a physician. <laughs> and, you know, they work together and we built a team around them in a sense and kept going from there because it, it made sense. You know, you can't just say, oh, go see your psychologist, then come back. I'll put you on the pills, do this and that. You got to work yeah. together, not, not, you know, separately. It has to be a collaboration. That's cool. So that somebody coming in, I'm just picturing this, like, how do you convince a patient coming in saying this hurts, this is broken, that we need to work on your spirit? Or is it more like they've been failed by medicine, that they're craving some, that word alternative answer? Yeah, I think the, the, the kind of journey of almost every patient that ends up with us is a long one. It yeah. doesn't start normally with us. Sometimes we do have that where people are just, listen, recommended to us because someone came out after having a long journey and got better. So sometimes they go there. But most people are set in the belief that conventional medicine will be able to give them an answer. You have a problem, you go to your GP or general practitioner or you go to hospital or something like that. And that's where your journey begins 
And usually when the GP or someone you know, you know, in conventional can't, you go to the next specialist. They say, oh, it must be something else. Go to the gastroenterologist. Oh, it might be neurological or the neurologist. You get passed around for a while. You might get a little bit uh, frustrated mm. by that if you're not truly getting better over time and actually getting worse. And then you shift into maybe a little bit more, more alternative where you go to a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, mm -hmm. and maybe that provides you with a little bit of help. But again, to me, those are the specialties outside of conventional medicine. And sooner or later, you do sort of, you know, hear about this maybe through through your searches and everything. Listen, it's not, you know, uh, it's not cheap. It's not inexpensive. It's not covered by insurance. So I understand the, the limitations somewhat of where it is right now and in, in how it's practiced. But you end up and you start to see, wow, this does make some sense, most people say, after going through everything that, hey, that failed me, just doing this failed me, this failed me, this failed me. This starts to make sense of addressing it all at once and really going after it with a truly tailored and comprehensive way of doing it where we have over 100 therapies here in our clinic that we're providing to the patient through the doctors and the analysis in a very specific way. Yeah, and that concept of price point, we do hear this, people are like, well... I can't afford it or it's costly or my that that common phrase of does my insurance cover this or the question and it, the concept of what is cheap and not cheap well it's a lot more expensive to let something progress and get worse through the means of here's what my insurance covers which is very limited in terms of preventing and then deal with it when it's a full-blown chronic condition and you're spending your last 10 years in a hospital bed your life savings is probably being bled out, you know, paying for those services. I spoke to uh, this lady about three days ago who has a kidney stone and it got pretty, she was meant to pass it and she wasn't able to one night in the hospital, $40,000 bill. I don't even know how you come <laughs> up with that number, you know, but, um, you know, so yeah. th this, the, yeah. the, the thinking of it's expensive. No, the, the maintenance of the cost of, this thing breaking down eventually in a chronic disease, you don't want to even know what those numbers are, right? So you mentioned there's yeah. you know over a hundred treatments. I've seen things that you've put online and some of the stuff you're doing, and there's some really cool stuff that are out in sort of biohacking world that you brought into medicine. Um, and some of them I, I don't even understand, but they look cool. So maybe you can tell us. For example, I saw you recently posted uh, this machine, I think it's called a biocharger where there's like these sparks flying from the top, um, and is it's frequency based, I'm assuming. So what's going on with, with that? Yeah. Biocharger, like a lot of things here, uh, we've had for a long time and I know Jim and Jim, the owners over there, biocharger, great guys that kind of created it. One of us is actually a protege is, is a protege of a protege of Nikola Tesla. Oh, cool. So like one off of there, but you know, someone studied with Nikola Tesla, he studied with that person and put it together because there is a Tesla coil in it. You know, when you start to really look at a lot of the initiation points of disease, you start to understand, number one, like the idea of like, yeah, we're spiritual beings, but even more so if you wanted to go into true science, we are energetic mm -hmm. beings. You know, we, we, we start with energy. Everything is atoms and everything like that. And, and a lot of where we, we, we create the problems, it starts on an energetic level. We even know this because you could send, you know, astronauts into space. But if you don't have a Schumann wave generator and Schumann waves are the, the frequencies that Earth emits, mm -hmm. 
you'll start to actually degenerate. You'll start to lose muscle mass. You'll start, you know, so if, if we're ever thinking about like cosmic travel beyond even, you know, the moon and other places, we, we'd of course need a Schumann wave generator, but a lot of us are cut off from those things on a daily basis, whether it's, you know, in the buildings we've created or, or just not connecting with nature or anything like that, we start to lose some of that resonance and our cells don't regenerate as well. We, we may, uh, you know, have some uh, cellular uh, functions that, that don't work properly anymore because of that. So what, what these machines do is basically put you back in those frequencies that your cells then can use to regenerate, to work and function properly. In a way, it's kind of like giving you instructions to those mm. cells that have kind of gotten lost, aren't functioning the way they should. And how do we do that? So there's a number of ways. And, and one of those is something like a biocharger that emits different frequencies with a Tesla coil, with different noble gases within it that when charged look really cool because it's like <laughs> shining and bright and it is giving off sparks at the top. So, I mean, it's Instagram worthy, <laughs> number one, but it actually does work. And when you speak with patients, they tell you, they feel a little bit like their words are usually a little bit more grounded, a little bit more charged, right? right? And again, these are things that you hear across the board when you utilize things like lights, which is just energy. So, you know, red light therapy. A lot of people lay in red light beds that look like tanning beds mm -hmm. now. It's just different red and usually infrared lights that are pulsing sometimes that give off different uh, frequencies a little bit as well as strengths. And you come out of that and you're charging the mitochondria. This isn't something that is woo-woo, you know, this isn't just saying, oh, energy medicine is just, you know, acupuncture and an old way of looking at things. No, no, no. You're, you're actually showing that these frequencies are penetrating into the body, stimulating mitochondria, causing the cell to have more energy. Then it's expelling all the waste that maybe it didn't, you know, do because it didn't have the energy. And suddenly you have better functioning. You're getting rid of that. Everything is working properly. So, you know, so much of what we do is on that level mm -hmm. as well. Yes, we have tons of IVs and injections and procedures, and we don't negate conventional medicine. If you require that, if that's something you need, great. But most of the time, people have already gone down that route. They've used all the pills. They're on lots of pills, actually, and their body isn't functioning, and they need the pills. We're trying to get you off of that. And part of that has to do with looking at, all right, is, is your energy off, or do you require things that are very safe, number one, there's no side effects to these things, and can actually reestablish this sort of harmony within the body without actually having to do too much. You're just sitting in the fields, right? Red, red light therapy, you're mm. just sitting there and you're absorbing these frequencies and you're suddenly getting biochemical reactions happening because of it. So it's, it's really a, a, a great tool, I would say, for doing it. And it is true that the biohackers love it because they could use mm. it. You could use these safely at home as well. We're just incorporating it in a clinical setting along with all those things and the procedures and more invasive things as well. So the combination works very synergistically. And that's what we've seen and be able to apply with a lot of these interesting therapies that, that other medical offices just aren't using. When you're using something like energy medicine, is this truly like in response to a condition, meaning that this is the tool that you're treating the condition with? Or is it more like this is prevention or is this like a foundational component of just getting the, the terrain ready to take treatment? It's a little bit of all of that, okay. Cash, because the, the truth of the matter is you have to provide the right terrain for certain things. So let's say you have an infection. If you don't clean the terrain, you know, 
even something like antibiotic or you can use natural antimicrobials just won't work mm. as well. You have a dirty home. You can't just set out rat traps and expect the rats right. to leave when there's garbage everywhere. They'll keep coming back. I live in New York City. <laughs> I know all about it. You know, they've set millions of rat traps over decades and we still have. So you go down in the subways, yeah. it's like splinter down there. They're getting bigger and bigger. They're like, you know, they're, they're stealing food from people like it's it's bad. Yeah. And so unless you really cleaned it up, let's say the terrain, but it's underground, there's garbage yeah. everywhere. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how many traps you set, how many antibiotics, let's say, are the equivalent of mm. a trap. Um, you got to change the terrain itself. So, so much of what we talk about is like, all right, removing toxicity, changing the terrain, getting the, 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 the kind of environment in harmony. So all these pieces do that. And then you could actually go in with, with whether it's antibiotics, we don't do it too much there, if at all, or even natural ways of, of you know, anti-pathogenic type things. And it becomes a much easier job when you have a clean environment. So a lot of these tools are really that, establishing the right environment, not just on this larger level of looking at the inner milieu, even on this very small cellular and atomic level of everything's working and coordinated. And then it's easier to actually give you a treatment program that lasts. So everything's together. Everything's incredibly personalized and tailored. No two uh, programs of treatment are alike because we don't believe in those set protocols. We're not trying to treat mm. your diagnosis. We're trying to treat you who has the diagnosis. And the diagnosis is just a description of what's going on. What yeah. led you to there is really what matters more. Yeah, I like that. It's a description. It's like, here, how, how do we, what do we call this thing as opposed to what it actually is? And, and when I think about walking yeah. into your clinic from your, like on the other side, being part of your team, it seems so complex. Like there's over a hundred potential treatments and they're all the way from something I pulled from a shaman to something I pulled from pharma. And like that algorithm that must be floating around in your head somewhere you know, how do you get this out to the masses and, and scale this information and knowledge? It's it's not easy, <laughs> Cash. I mean, this has been my like whole, you know, conflict and challenge as an entrepreneur that wants to scale and, and see like reach more people because I've witnessed I, you know, I grew up around this in a sense. My father start, started getting into more of this. All right. Outside of conventional, what can I do? And he started traveling in the 80s when I was born, mm. basically. And I traveled the world with them as he learned from all these experts and masters and doctors about, hey, what else can I put in my toolkit mm. here? Let me learn it. Like, teach me. And then he did that and he got better and better results uh, because of that. But it, it is an art form. I think the way that you're able to, you know, give this to more and more people is, number one, create more artists. Yeah. So we do put a, a very big focus on training anyone that works with us from the nurse mm. to, you know, the, the administrative staff, everyone, you got to learn these hundred things. Maybe each one, you know, is a little bit different where you want to go. So more of these sets of actual therapies are what you will be learning. We bring people on, go through training courses, a lot of shadowing and everything like that. But I think beyond that, when you look at the future, I think you have to start to go to, all right, how do we prevent, yeah. you know, more and more people from becoming chronically ill? It's a really hard thing to take someone who's in a late degenerative condition that is complex, chronic, and then restore them back to health, you know, in, you know, even a year, I'd say like that kind of stuff takes time. 
lot of effort and that's really hard and you do need the artistry and the the very tailored and all right which one is which how do we do this but when you start to look at all right what about prevention i think then you look at the patterns you know like i said there's always a pattern of hey there's a lot of people with toxicity walking around like we live in a toxic world let's be honest mm-hmm. from the glyphosate to the emfs to you know just air pollution all, all of this is getting in our bodies and we're overwhelmed by it so how do we start to do that within the patterns of detoxification with ivs glutathione things other things you could do to to really help the organs of elimination keep up with what we already have produced in in our world and we won't ever, I think, truly get away from it at this point, but we could absolutely support ourselves to deal with it and be in a healthy case. And then looking at the other patterns, whether those are emotional patterns, like what are the things we could do there beyond even psychotherapy, looking at, at ways to kind of address in biofeedback and other things, how your stress response is and, and keep you in a more, I would say, parasympathetic state instead of sympathetic state where we get mm. overwhelmed we're in the uh, uh, fight or flight reaction. And so that's where I'm kind of looking at is what are the patterns we've seen about with some of the most complex cases? How can we back that up into prevention and wellness? How can we provide that to the masses? And hopefully in the future, as as we continue to evolve, we'll see less and less Mm. chronic disease that requires such intense artistry type of skilled craftsmanship to address and move it towards the, hey, how do we make this more of an affordable preventive care? True prevention, you know, because right now in conventional medicine, it's kind of like this early prevention. It's just early detection. You're already yep. sick somewhat, but we're going to try and do it you know, for stage four, <laughs> stage one or two cancer. Yeah. You still have cancer. That's still very hard to, to treat in many ways. So I think that's the way medicine needs to move to, especially this type of medicine. I think you'll always have artists just as you do in most types of industries mm-hmm. and you'll have people that want to go after that artistry and put in the time and effort to really learn it but i think on a whole you can start to really focus on how do we prevent these things from ever happening living longer and healthier it's the reason i love biohacking as well and i'd love to bridge that gap is because biohackers want to yeah. live kind of forever sort of thing they want to optimize their health that's what we should all be striving for because the other alternative is what we wait till we get sick. Sickness is a very bad place to be. I've met billionaires and, you know, people that you think are the happiest people. If they have a chronic illness, they give it all up just to have their health back. So it's incredibly important. Are you finding, um, just because you mentioned the toxic load and burden is so extreme now, I've been hearing this from others. I'm wondering if you've seen the same, especially, especially since you're in New York, amongst all the smog and pollution, you know, is, are you yeah. seeing the same phenomenon where there's more and more young people that are having complex issues that are needing this type of support? Yeah, absolutely. That's the kind of shocking thing I've seen. You know, I, I sit here in the clinic again, I'm not the doctor, but I love to be involved. I'm here right now. I go downstairs, I meet right. people. I, you know, I, I just am attracted to hear the stories mm-hmm. of, of these people. And yes, in the past, you know, I, I've been doing this for over 20 years in this industry and followed my father, you know, the whole time. It was that, all right, those really complex conditions are usually aging mm. population. They reach a certain point and become that. Within the last decade or so, you've seen people that, you know, walk in and say, are you here? Like, is your 
parent around <laughs> here or something. It's like, no, I'm here for it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, you don't even look that sick to me. And I, you know, if I saw you on the street, I'd be like, oh, wow, you, you look pretty healthy. But they are, you know, complex chronic conditions already mm. in the 20s, even in the teens somehow. And it's, it's, it's alarming because you're like, uh, you know, where's this going, this trend? Yeah. Meaning we're, we're going to be, and if these people can't figure it out or if conventional medicine just gives them the option or cut it out kind of thing that, that we've been going with, you got a long life ahead of you of mm. suffering. You got a long life of just managing, but flare ups, maybe going to the hospital once or twice a year for a serious you know, thing and, and slowly degrading. So the quality of life for, for a long period of time will be very, very mm. low. And that's that's really startling to me that that, you know, younger and younger people are getting chronic conditions, are getting cancer or getting, yeah. you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, these pots, other things that are just mysterious and incurable. But I, I completely agree with you, Kat, that that the trends are you're younger and younger. You're more toxic for sure. Body's just not able to compensate and keep you like that for, for long. And so you get sicker quicker. And what we're seeing when we hear about this from some of the clinics we work with, it's more so in young women than it is in young men. Uh, I think there's a lot of hormone yeah. disruption going on. That's people are, it's outside of their awareness or yeah. they don't know that the things that they're exposed to are mimicking estrogens as they enter their body and causing all these anxiety issues. I think the CDC just recently said that one in three teenage girls in the United States has now contemplated suicide at some point which is shocking. Mm. Like who yeah. would think it's anywhere near that yeah. number, you know? No, you wouldn't think that cash. And, and you know, that that's a heartbreaking kind of, you know, statistic to hear, but the truth of the matter is you're right. Look around and basically so much we put in and on our body are endocrine disruptors mm. and women, as, as we know, hormones are incredibly important to a woman. They are for a man as well. But even this, I was looking into, uh, you know, I've, I've always researched this on sunscreens right. and what we put on our bodies and what we're told to, right? And there was oxybenzone, which was big for a while. And, you know, the research is just catching up, possible carcinogen, all these things. So, you know, it, it, it got to that level where the, the bigger companies, the Johnson Johnson, everything else had to switch. Yeah. And now you look at the top ones that are oxybenzone free <laughs> and promoted at CBS and everything. And, oh, they must be safe. Avo benzone right. right and so you just switch the chemical composition a little bit and you look at all right what's the study say about that what's the limited data because it's newer yeah. say about that endocrine disruptor lowering testosterone these things so i think it impacts women at first more but i think you're also going to see low t is a very common mm. thing and this is directly you know correlates showing that it blocks testosterone production mm. There are a few studies even going back to 2017. And the FDA admitted no since 2019. This enters the bloodstream even after one application to levels that are beyond what we see as the threshold as normal and safe. And yet it's allowed. And everyone's like, yeah, you got to use you know, yeah. sunscreen. The sun, you're out in the sun. You got to lather it on, spray it on. And you, you know, I sit there and just like, wow, this, we are told to spray on endocrine disrupting harmful chemicals that we don't even know yet the true you know, length of what they do when, when inside the body. Yeah. They've only begun to be studied. Yeah. So that's a scary thing. And I think that that absolutely impacts women more at first. 
And then later down the line, the men sort of, you know, uh, are, are witnessing as well with these things called low T, which, you know, take a little bit, I think, more time to really impact the person. Yeah, we're seeing, and the, the way you described it really adds up in terms of what we're seeing, because we're seeing that the young teenage woman is all of a sudden her life is shifting, anxiety, mood issues, hormone issues. Yeah. And then we're seeing the sort of 30-year-old male, that's when it's starting because it's taking a little longer, right? You're more androgenized. Yeah. And so that 30-year-old, we're just seeing so much more of, hey, I need to get my DNA understood because I have this crazy anxiety. I can't go to work anymore. And it's like a 30-ish-year-old male yeah. that can't understand why he's not feeling right. So it's the exact same problem. It's just expressing a little bit later for the young men. But it's unfortunate. And I, I would guess also that given the nature of the work that you do and how you guys can truly solve problems that others aren't solving, you're probably getting a lot of, you know, strange cancers and unique conditions based on the current long haul reality we're in. Right. And the post jab reality. So I don't know what you've seen there, but up here, we're seeing a lot of complex cancers, a lot of complex chronic conditions that patients are being told are genetic, meaning that, um, that it's it's something that's innate that's going to happen and that's the answer so i don't know what you're seeing down there you know i i'd love to flip this back and and again ask you how you <laughs> feel about it from that dna standpoint as as the owner you know because that that's really interesting as well listen we've seen a ton of you know um i think complex conditions come in through and you can look at it so many different ways i'm not going to pinpoint it to any one thing through this pandemic there was just you know uh, so many factors of, of, you know, the, the emotional loneliness and trauma of that. I think, uh, you know, disconnection, all these other things, more toxic, uh, you know, things happening and, and the, the jab himself and, and everything around that, the stigmatization we've done and the, the kind of general discourse of, of, uh, you know, divisiveness we have and so much stress around that. So people are coming in, you know, mentally, uh, completely off toxically off and, and yeah, when I speak to not just here, but when I even speak to colleagues around the world, it's kind of like, yeah, you're seeing these kind of uh, strange, you know, super cancers happening where they just come on very quickly and very strongly. Mm. And, uh, you know, and you have to take it case by case because it is kind of new territory for a yeah. lot of people. I think a lot of practitioners out there in our clinic included are, are seeing these and kind of got to take a step back and be able to say, okay, we got to, you know, this isn't the normal kind of progression of things. This isn't the, you know, oh, you have an infection, then it became this, then it slowly, you know, transgressed into some other disease over years and years. Mm. It's happening at a, at a quicker rate. And that's, listen, I think it's, it's society and, and the, the times we live in right now, everything happens rapidly. Like a year ago, did we even like contemplate AI being around and us asking it questions and it actually answering yeah. and interacting with us? And now like, you know, it's it's just common day now. It's like, all right, yeah, we'll just ask ChatGPT what's <laughs> up. And, and sooner or later, you know, healthcare will be AI yeah. driven in many ways because again, if you look at it from the conventional standpoint, it's very technical. You're going with a lot of data points and then, you know, plotting that against someone else's data points to see what is the protocol, what is the best drug, what is the newest, you know, research say that can help this diagnosis. So, of course, for me, it's like that makes sense that AI would completely push out a lot of healthcare providers and provide 
the the help and services that that conventional medicine offers right now through AI. So everything is rapidly changing in this world as our diseases, I think, human bodies and our uh, ability to adapt changes as well. And that throws us off. Change is difficult for the human body, you know. And as we become less adaptable as well, that's kind of Darwinism. It wasn't survival of the fittest that he really stated. It was survival through adaptivity. Mm. That is, it's not strongest and everything. It's the those that are able to adapt to change yeah. are the ones that survive. And given that we've kind of produced a place where, where you know, through the pandemic, it's it's like we were kind of confined and not allowed to change in some ways, and then change hit us mm. anyway. I think it changed drastically the scenery of of uh, you know disease and the progression of disease, but. You know, from a genetic standpoint, now let me toss it back to you, uh, you know, and what you're seeing from, uh, you know, everything you do at the DNA company. Are you seeing that, you know, you're seeing these rapid uh, kind of progressions of disease? How is that showing yeah. or expressing itself in, on the genetic so, side? Firstly, what you said about which most people aren't considering that it's so multifactorial, it's not just, you know, illness, jab, it's more yes the the solitude the emotional component the stress the pressure the stigmatism over which side of the fence you're on all of that stuff there was so many additional loads that the total threshold if you add it all up was too much right on top of this foundation of either virus or something else which both deliver you a toxin right so that combination is a lot and there's some people that at the cognitive level can handle it. They clear their neurochemicals fast. They don't bind onto trauma. Uh, they don't give things a lot of meaning. And so they plow through these types of things and they have that warrior spirit about them. Um, and then there's some people that don't, and there's much more people that don't than do, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to find that warrior meant in the, in terms of neurochemical uh, uh, mapping. And so that load, that burden is huge on top of most of us aren't walking around genetically with the best endothelial capacity. You know, we're not wired for our mm. current input of toxic burden. Most of us don't have a perfect hormone profile. And so there's already inflammatory insults, especially for women coming from estrogen metabolites, right? A lot of us don't have, I would also use the word most, most of us aren't working, walking around with the best detox or anti-inflammatory or antioxidative pathways and so the mitochondria is already struggling mm -hmm. so you take all these pieces and add it all together there's more than a perfect storm right and and i, I mean you know better than most that it's all the mitochondria is key to this right it's a it's a mitochondrial disease and we aren't functioning there and we're already overburdened and so no surprise that you're getting these outcomes now in terms of those rare cancers we're seeing you know, we have for the first time ever, the average life ex expectancy in the United States dropped by three years, right? A few months, it, it was, I don't know what it was, 78 or 79 or something, and a three-year drop, I think to 76. A couple month drop would have been a giant red flag that the CDC should have been all over saying like, what just happened to our population uh, when it's been incrementally increasing over time and all of a sudden a three-year drop. And that three-year drop isn't because people are dying younger, like the 78-year-old is now dying at 75. No, it's because young people are dying. And it's skewing the data. Yes. 
right? And it, it's a big, massive tug on the data because young people are dying because of exactly what you described, those complex cancers and complex complex conditions that there's no protocol what to do with it. This is, this is not how these diseases pre present themselves normally. And why is this happening? <clears throat> what is cancer? Too much inflammation, no immune response, right? You need your immune, cancer's constantly developing, constantly being fought. Your immune system's constantly doing this for you. Too much inflammation, it's going to flourish. You have a protein that's causing inflammation, and you have something else that wiped out your immune system. And so all these things that normally would have been fought are flourishing. And so what looks like a rare cancer is not a rare cancer. It's all the things that your body normally is fighting, just surviving. And the combination that looks like, oh, why did I get these six locations all at the same time? That's not normally how this thing presents because this is not normal, <laughs> right? This is something very different. The context has changed. Yep. And that's what we've seen. So definitely, genetically, we can somewhat predict, you know, who may be better off or worse off. But everybody needs help. And that's why I'm thinking that they're coming to you, like, how do I deal with this? And, you know, regular MD doesn't have an answer. It's it's a complex world out there right now. And like you said, our, our genetic, uh, you know, capabilities and predispositions uh, provide so much, but, you know, the drastic change of environment within them, yeah. you know, the, the, the epigenetic side just trigger them all. It's like, you know, we're just switching on the, those genes that, that uh, you know, whatever it is that allow for things to go bad. So, uh, you know, this is why I do feel that genetically we really truly do have to understand what we come into this world predisposed as, yeah. you know, what where our weaknesses are. And to work on those and to avoid the things that will absolutely trigger certain things into disease. But when you live in a, in a such a complex <laughs> world where it's almost like the triggers just like being thrown at you one at the other, you know, yeah. you're playing this video game and like super speed and dodging <laughs> all these things. It's 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 hard, you yeah. know. Uh, it's really, really difficult. And that's why I do find it like we all need a little bit of support. We all do need to truly understand ourselves, both yeah. on the genetic level as well as just on this, I think, uh, spiritual mm -hmm. level. It's important for us to have those that purpose in life that allows us to strive and work hard and, and do these things that we have to, you know, because I, I saw this article even earlier today about how technology will help us, right, to achieve so much in healthcare and rehumanize and everything and make it easy. It's like, well, it's not easy. Look at everything out there we're talking mm. about. It's not exactly easy to stay super healthy these days. You have to put yeah. in work, time, effort. You need to prioritize it. You know, I, I understand at the end of a long day, most people are very tired. But if you're not cooking, you just go straight to the fast food. That is not a healthy mm. choice. And so it's really important we start to prioritize these things to get ahead and, and actually keep ourselves in the game in a sense so that we don't become overwhelmed by all this. And so understanding our predispositions through genetic analysis is, is a wonderful tool in that way, as is the, the kind of preventive element of it to be able to say, what can I do to help myself yeah. here? You know, you talk about the, the kind of onslaught on mitochondria and the energy we're wasting. That's something, you know, we looked at and it's just like, yeah, we got to support the mitochondria any way we can and and do things. Get out in the sun that even helps, but, you know, take supplements, do this and that. I used to be against this idea that everyone needed supplements. I was like, supplements are supplemental yeah. to your diet. 
Now I've changed my tune. I've talked to enough people like our soil is depleted, our diets aren't as good and nutritious. We have so many toxins that are depleting us every single day. So I'm, I'm kind of on this boat of like, I think we all need supplements now. Yeah, you're so that analogy is I couldn't make it any better, but it, it's we're playing a different game now. If you think of it digitally, it's no yeah. longer Super Mario Brothers. It's like, take that to 2023. You're still thinking of the 1980s version of it, right? Yes. And, and that's our challenge is we, we're thinking <laughs> yeah. about what we saw our parents do, which was appropriate for that time, right? The 1970s is really yes. when chemicals and foods started to flourish in the way they are today right where we became heavily industrialized so it took a couple decades for that to settle in and now we live in that reality that is the reality so it's not our parents or grandparents reality it's very different so we have to have different habits around that and speaking of supplementation you did something really cool which is you went back into all of what you do to support people and you kind of looked at here's what's working and here's the, the the mechanism of why it works. So what's actually going on in biology? What changed and why does this person feel better? And then you then put it all together and created a supplement, which is really cool. Uh, and, and, and you it's just, how do I, going back to that question I asked you earlier, how do you scale this stuff? Well, maybe they don't have access to everything, but you're saying I've cherry picked the best of what I've learned and I've formulated based on your personal experience of solving people's problems, here's what you need to maintain that innate cellular health. So what, what did you figure out there? Like what, what, what did you put together? Yeah, it was really like a years and years in the making of sorts, me and my father discussing this and analyzing all the tools we had and what was, you know, really making an impact on people. And you know, one of the things, even before it became big in the world was this uh, compound NAD nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide that is used in every single cell. You know, it's as important as oxygen really in fueling the cell, the mitochondria of each cell. And, and of course, you know, the brain uses 20% of all energy. So a lot of use of NAD within the brain itself. And, and we said, all right, you know, lowest hanging fruit. If you were to take something out of this clinic, out of the hundred yeah. plus things that are impacting people and be able to provide it to them in some way, that they could just use it at home and, you know, a, a, a safe manner, what, what would that be? And so we were just like, hey, this NAD, when you put it in people's IVs and you get it into them directly, boom, it's like a rewiring of the brain. You get energy. People feel really good. You'll hear about this. It's the reason it's so popular right now. Like we've been doing this for a long time, but now, you know, there's patches, everything. I see every day new ads. Someone reaches yeah. out. What do you think of this thing? What do you think of this? Or... Uh, you know, it's, it's gotten almost too far where it's like saturated and I think quality is going down. It's just gimmicky almost. But, you know, five, 10 years ago or so when we were looking at it, it really was so impactful. Mm. People that had brain fog, like lost concentration, Parkinsonism, dementia, all these things that were coming in. When they utilized these IVs, they were improving, mm. greatly improving in some cases. So we started off clinically like, all right, what does that look like orally? Can it be done? Can it be bioavailable? What do you combine it with? Because we weren't just looking at this, hey, let's just take this ingredient, throw it in a capsule and throw it at people and market yeah. it. It really was about, all right, what's going to work to truly deliver it in a sense? We understand the challenges of bioavailability yeah. as, as anything orally should be looked at. 
And how do you combine that with other ingredients with botanicals like bacopa that's no or cat's claw for inflammation and, and do it in the right synergistic matter. So even the coenzyme Q10 versus NAD is in a three to one ratio in a sense. And that's been shown to help with energy production within the cell. Everything else is two coenzymes working together that way. So after years of kind of feasibility, looking at what it was, what's going on in the IVs, how could you try and do that orally? We were able to come up with this product called Natabeam that, that does that, that's able to deliver pure NAD along with eight other ingredients, so total nine, that, that work synergistically to not just help the mitochondria as a whole, where most NAD supplements are saying this is cellular mm. health, everything like that, but really go after that one organ we felt is the organ that makes us human, the organ that, that we need so much in this day and age, the brain. Mm. You know, we live in an information age where we need to process so much information and our brains are so drained. And, and you know, the, you look at what happens out of that, you know, the loss of memory, the brain fog, the, the kind of confusion and everything we go through or just mental exhaustion. And so we, we created this product based on that saying, hey, this is our lowest hanging fruit at, at the clinic if we could get this done. And we were able to, and at first we spent a year just applying it within a clinical setting with other uh, doctor's offices that we knew of and colleagues and everything. And they were saying, hey, this is great. I gave it to my Parkinsonism patient, no other changes in their program of treatment and their tremors were mm. reduced, gait improved, all these things improved. And it's not, you know, it, we didn't get rid of it. It's not a miracle. We understand that it's an oral supplement, mm. but there was really great results with it. And we were really proud of that. So yeah, you know, we still uh, provide that. We're looking to do more as well. We're looking to see what technology we have in here that we can give. But that was the initiation point for being able to say, hey, we understand not everyone can come to our clinic. Yeah. Not everyone could benefit. But how do we do this to give this back and help people reclaim focus, concentration, their brain and feel good uh, again and get some extra energy out of it? So that was, uh, yeah, our initial product. Now yeah, that's I've looked at the formulation and people have to rethink what supplements mean like a, a grandparents generation was like hey take my multivitamin you know let me get a little extra kick a little yeah. boost it, it truly was a supplement like i've got what i need and i'm going to add a little bit and this is my health plan now it's like you need to be arming your body with, with the defenses it needs to live in this current reality you need to be fighting back it's a very different need right and the, and the need is at the cellular level, but if you don't have your mitochondria efficient, we're talking about aging, we're talking about brain, heart, like everything falls apart uh, if the mitochondria is not firing properly. Uh, and this formula you've got really supports sort of cellular health, slows down aging, all that good stuff, right? So people have to really consider what does their daily regimen look like? And if you're not doing something to support sort of, you know, anti-inflammatory detox, cellular health, a combination of all those things, potentially hormones for women, you know, you're probably not going to feel the best. And you will be like that 30 year old kid that's saying he's got anxiety issues or the 15 year old girl who's, you know, depressed when she really doesn't need to be. It's, it's, it's the total load that's getting her there. Not, it's not innate. It's not part of who she is, you know, it's anyway, so you've done a great job there. Um, so we'll share that with everybody. If you want to keep diving deeper with your prescription for life with the Unpilled Podcast, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I've also written my first book, The DNA Way, 
Unlock the secrets of your genes to reverse disease, slow aging, and achieve optimal wellness. Take a look and enjoy, guys. So what, if somebody walks into your clinic, what would you say, so for someone that's just getting started, you know, integrated medicine, biohacking, whatever, where's the entry point where it's like, um, here's where you get going if you've done nothing, here's where you need to focus first, you know, because it can be overwhelming, right? Where, where does somebody, what's the first step? You know, I always say the first step is really taking a step back and looking, like you say, your daily habits, your daily choices, everything like that. We can make profound changes in our lives with the fundamentals of what we choose to do every day, how we start our day. Do we start our day checking our phone, stress, eating poorly, you know, getting a donut and all these things? Or, or do we start it meditating? Do we start it with gratitude, with some hydration of good quality water? You know, those are the foundationals, even looking at the night before how you started. Did you sleep mm -hmm. well? Did you go to sleep at the right time? Did you, again, turn off all things and then practice sleep hygiene and all these things? But, you know, that those are the fundamentals. We always say without those, we're not going to do too yeah. much. We could give you all the treatments in the world and actually catalyze you into a good place. But your choices after you leave here will just bring you back to a set yeah. point that you started out because that's usually what, what you know, got you in, the, uh, in trouble in the first place. So. I, I usually like to tell people that, you know, take the time to really analyze what you're doing on a daily basis and improve those things. Of course, if you're already in a state of dysfunction and chronic disease, it's sometimes hard. You may not even have the vitality to do some of the things such as exercise and the good lifestyle changes that you can do when you have your health. Uh, and then it's a combination. It's a combination. Okay, let's look under the hood. When you get here, let's look at it from numerous ways, not just the biochemical way, but HRV analysis, bioresonance. Now, let's look at it in different prisms and kind of see what, what is really going on with you. Because as much as you may have that diagnosis, we're not too concerned. Mm. That's great. It's nice to know that you have that diagnosis. But what is causing that yeah. diagnosis to persist? What is causing you that your body can't get back into self-management, self-healing? which is what we always do every single day. Mm. It's the analogy. You get a paper cut. You don't got to do anything. Your body's yeah. healing. But imagine you get a paper cut and it just sits there and it festers. It keeps bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. You're not healing. You need help mm. then, right? So if you're at that stage where you need help, we could absolutely catalyze that. But I think the biggest thing, Cash, that people need to understand is we only act as coaches in this whole mm. thing. You are still the one that needs to right. do the work at the end of the day. Unlike conventional medicine that says, keep eating that way, <laughs> keep smoke, keep doing this, and just take this pill. Yeah. You'll be good. And when this pill doesn't work, we'll up <laughs> it and give you a new pill. And then we'll cut something out. Yeah. And then we'll give you a pill for that. It's like, this is drastically different. And this is why I still think some people are not ready. They come in and they say, okay, help me. It's like, well, we will help you, but you need to help mm. yourself also. You need to make changes. True healing is, is so transitional. It's transmutational in mm. a sense because you start somewhere, you're going to have to change yourself to get the healing part yeah. down. We will take you so far, but we actually do say at a certain point, it's on you. It's like you got to fly out of here, little bird, and take the rest mm. of this. You need to spread those wings because we will get you. But unless you make the change yourself at the end, you will find yourself back where you were 
And that is, you know, the, the hard reality for a lot of people is you're going to have to do the work. You could get a trainer in the gym and he could, you know, spot you and do everything, but you've got to do the work. He can't be lifting the weights and you expect to get bigger. Right. And on top of that, just like in the gym, there will be some pain. (laughs) There will be hard days. There will be days where you don't want to do it, but you just have to, in a sense, because your life kind of depends on it. Yeah. This is your health, right? And and that's that's what people need to realize. Like my biggest message is not one of like the medicine, this is the one thing that'll solve everything. It's that we need to prioritize health. Without it, we have nothing. And this idea that we could just keep coasting on and, you know, eating poorly and stressing and not caring as much and just, you know, sitting indoors all day and taking pill that is not the way we are already at like a tipping point mm. i'm seeing i'm sure you're seeing it as well that that we need a change and i think that starts with ourselves just to be like hey i'm going to prioritize health today and it's just one little thing at a time take the small win approach you know start the day and put your phone aside and just do 5 minutes of breathing you know then the next day add a cup of water with it good water maybe some lemon water or some and then go on from there and you'll see the patterns going the right way you'll feel better you'll look better you you know so i i you know that's what i always try and preach myself if you prioritize health and if you need the help we are here mm-hmm. but again at the end of the day it really rests on the person to take that ownership responsibility and that gives you the power to actually lift yourself mm-hmm. up regain your health and actually optimize your health and well-being yeah i think you're right on we've seen that over and over and it's like it's also becomes permanent it's no longer you supporting them you're teaching them how to fish right and all of a sudden it becomes yes identity change new version of themselves and that is healthcare. Healthcare is teach me how to maintain what i have my god-given health that i was born with don't let anything take it away from me that's an amazing outcome. So with that, uh, I'm still going to call you Dr. Casper because I think, uh, you know, if I, oh, if I had to, <laughs> if I had to go to a doctor, that's what I, I, all of what I've heard today is what I was hoping I would get, which I would haven't been able to find. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of clinicians are listening saying, yeah, I need to learn some of this. So thank you. So first of all, thanks for joining us. This was awesome. Uh, you know, a little peek into integrated medicine and what we could My do. Pleasure. But thanks again. This is a great man.